Hey everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, this week you can enjoy me, uh, very tired, uh, and trying to put thoughts out there. Uh, don't worry, it is coherent, um, but we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff, uh, a bunch of orbital news, uh, a bunch of launches that have happened, a uh, new crew that's on the ISS. We also talk about uh, the newest with series, the Dwarf Planet's Bright Spots, what's uh, new with that, and... We've also got a 3D printing update as well as a cushy report with the lovely Sarah who came back on to talk about more behavioral analysis and ABA altogether. So um, get ready for this episode because uh, it's coming fast. But uh, remember, if you want to help support the show, you can use uh, our Amazon link on this week's episode or the homepage at Today in Space dot net forward slash home and just do your shopping like normal like you're already doing anyways and it helps support the show and helps keep the lights on here so that we can keep coming back and doing this so thank you for listening and let's start the show In space. Hello, how are you? Uh, it's another week, another episode, and uh, you know I think this is something I haven't done in a little while. Is uh, maybe a maybe maybe we'll do a PSA this week. All right, and the PSA for this week is why the fuck are people not covering their mouths when they sneeze and cough. I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't understand how people can just sit there with whooping cough-like sounds, see everyone look at them, and then gesture for a cough drop, like that cough was just uh, just an irritated throat. It's just, you know, oh, that's all right. I've got a cough drop. I'll be fine after this. No. You're infecting everyone around you because of your poor, terrible habits. I don't know if you were brought up that way, if you didn't listen to your mother. I really don't understand what it is. But could you imagine if some kind of super virus starts spreading and we've got all these assholes who don't use proper hygiene? I mean, it's it's one thing where it's like, okay, you tried and you covered your mouth, but to just straight up cough into the air, just I, it blows my mind that there are actually people like that, and they're totally okay with living life like that. I don't get it, and uh, I don't even wish them luck because they're just assholes. So if you see somebody who coughs just straight into the air, please do me a favor, walk up to them and ask them, what is wrong with you? That's my PSA for this week. Stop being an asshole. Use proper hygiene, or else we're all going to get sick, all right? We can stop it in its tracks. 
enough of that. I'm done complaining for this week. How's it going? I'm fighting off a cold at the moment, if, if you couldn't tell from the beginning of the episode. <sighs> it's very difficult when you have a show and you need your voice and you've just got people who just don't care about anyone else's well-being. But this week we have a lot of fun stuff, but to start the show, uh, I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of uh, a schedule for the next month, two months, kind of. So next month, we have one more week in March, Um, but in April, we're going to be doing the April of Pluto, where... Every week, we're going to talk about more and more uh, about the five research papers that got released and what's entailed. Uh, I've reached out to some Pluto poop peeps, Pluto poops, <laughs> Pluto peeps. Uh, <laughs> I wonder what a Pluto poop would look like. But uh, that's that's a question for another episode. Uh, uh, I've asked some people who are in the Pluto game to see if they'll uh, come on and talk. We'll see what happens. And we're going to just dive into what we actually, the first stuff we're learning about Pluto. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and then in May, we're going to be doing a bunch of interviews. I'm going to have a bunch of my friends on, and uh, we're just going to have a blast and uh, ring in the uh, changing season for it to get warmer, get excited. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's kind of the idea. Every week we're still going to have, you know, a 3D printing update. We're going to have a cushy report. We're going to have all the other segments, but the crux of those episodes are going to be about Pluto. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a blast. So let's, uh, move on to our first topic here this week for March 24th, 2016. In orbital news, we've got a whole bunch here. So to start it off, we'll talk about how the ISS has gained three new members uh, for Expedition 47. Uh, The six members total will spend the next five months conducting more than 250 science investigations in the fields of, well, the fields that benefit all of humanity. Uh, biology, earth science, human science, physical sciences, and technology development. So a bunch of stuff going on there. Um, The newest members include, uh, for NASA, astronaut Jeff Williams, who is now the first American to become a three-time long-term resident of the International Space Station. And uh, after spending his five months up there, or well, I'm not sure how long Jeff Williams is staying up there, but um, throughout the course of Expedition 47, or at least his time aboard the ISS, I believe he's spending six months. Uh, he will surpass Scott Kelly, who just gained the um, recent record for spending time cumulative in space. Jeff Williams will surpass him by the end of his mission. So pretty cool, uh, pretty amazing. Uh, two American astronauts breaking records this year. Uh, it's really, really cool stuff. Uh, he's also, uh, the rest of his crew includes cosmonauts Alechki, uh, uh sorry, I'm going to mispronounce these. I'm just going to just gonna say that right now, but I'm going to try my best. All right, 
apologies. I just probably should have looked them up before, but it is what it is. So he is joined with cosmonauts Alexei Ovshinin and Oleg Skriposhka of the Russian space agency Roscosmos, if you couldn't tell by the last names. Um, and they're going to be doing tons of research, all including stuff that can help us get to Mars. Uh, the trio launched on a Soyuz TMA-20M spacecraft, again from the Balkanair Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan, um, orbited Earth four times, as the article states, and docked to the station. And the hatches opened uh, uh, 12.55 a.m. on Saturday, March 19th. So uh, good luck to all of them uh, as they're moving on. And one of the missions and one of the science uh, investigations they're going to be taking part of is our next part in this orbital science report. A night launch on Tuesday, March 22nd. Uh, sent the Cygnus spacecraft aboard an Atlas V rocket to the International Space Station to bring up uh, supplies and a bunch of science uh, to be done up up in orbit. Uh, this is Orbital ATK's launch, which if uh, you guys have been following the podcast since its beginning and just space in general, space travel, um, you'll know Orbital ATK is another private company uh, trying to get the contract for uh, being a supplier to the International Space Station. Um, they, along with SpaceX last year, had uh, a bunch of hiccups. Um, Orbital ATK had the uh, probably the most devastating, uh, to use that word extremely uh, loosely, um, because every... Uh, spacecraft that blows up is a disaster, but um, they are back in the game. They're back in the game, and this successful mission to bring up the Cygnus spacecraft, which is theirs, um, up to the International Space Station is a huge success. Uh, and the reason we bring it up, other than the fact that it's awesome, uh, is that the Cygnus spacecraft has on board a pretty awesome experiment. Uh, we're going to burn shit in space on purpose. Light it on fire. Yep. The thing that literally you never want to have happen in space, we're doing it on purpose and aboard Cygnus spacecraft. So to quote this article from NASA uh, called Fire in the Hole, studying how flames grow in space, uh, Sapphire, which is the mission itself, seeks to answer two questions, says David Urban, principal investigator. Will an upward spreading flame continue to grow or will microgravity limit its size? Secondly, what fabrics and materials will catch fire and how will they burn? Sapphire 1 payload, which will, uh, will hitch a ride on a resupply mission to the space station in an orbital ATK Cygnus cargo vehicle from Kennedy Space Center in Florida, when Cygnus arrives, which it already did, astronauts will unload their supplies, but Sapphire will remain on board. Uh, unquote. Uh, these, uh, uh, the Cygnus spacecraft is going to uh, bring up supplies, and then the, the 
members on the International Space Station are going to load it up with their trash. And it's going to head back in, and at the end of Cygnus's life, will burn up and uh, go to Point Nemo in the middle of the Pacific, uh, where all spacecraft go to die, if you remember an earlier episode. But to keep quoting, uh, within the first day after Cygnus pulls away from the space station, we'll begin the experiment, which will run autonomously once the run command is sent, and that's sent from on Earth. So we're basically lighting a fire <laughs> remotely from Earth and something in orbit. It's, it's a pyro's dream. Uh, and that was uh, said by Stephen Sinecor, uh deputy project manager. Uh, it will only take a few hours to run the experiments, but Cygnus will remain in space for seven days to ensure complete data transmission back to the Sapphire operations team on the ground. Eventually, Sapphire, along with Cygnus, will be destroyed upon re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. So it's it's pretty cool. So what what they're doing is is seeing the whole effect of what a fire on orbit in space in microgravity is going to do you know the reason we don't know much more about it is because we know it's a bad idea so by having a a spacecraft like cygnus where it's going to get destroyed anyways uh it's the whole you know lifeline of the spacecraft let's just let's burn it and and to be able to see the after effects in a mission like this makes a lot of sense and uh i'm all about this kind of mission um, let's see here. What what else is good from this article, which will will be up on this week's episode's page for you to look at it yourself. There's a great uh, video on there that kind of goes over the whole thing. Let's see. Uh, there's uh, a few additional Sapphire missions. Uh, you know, this one's going to deal with Sapphire 1, 2, and 3, but uh, the other concepts are 4, 5, and 6. Very... Uh, very ingenious numbering system. Uh, and they're going to focus more on flame spreading, smoke propagation, and the detection and suppression of fire. So they're actually going to start doing fire protection engineering up in space, which is just another career and job that is available in space. We, we're going to have firefighters in space. I mean, it's... And, and not only firefighters, engineers who are literally paid to burn shit and figure out how to control it. Like fire and microgravity has got to be crazy. I, I'm very interested to, to read more and see, well, and learn more from this mission and really see like what, what does happen with a fire? Because I mean, we know like fire is one of the only things that seems to be able to beat gravity on earth you know a flame keeps will keep moving upwards you know uh it's you know if you see something burn if if you let it burn it's burning against gravity it's it's all it's very strange i don't i don't know if that's the cause that's just an observation that's always how i've uh i've noticed fire so to, to see it without gravity you know does it does it burn less you know or would it burn faster i don't know pretty crazy but really glad we have a chance to to figure that out so thank you Cygnus thank you Orbital ATK and welcome back into the game and we'll see what Sapphire has to offer us here in the future 
And don't forget, coming up in April, April 8th, uh, slotted right now for 4.43 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, is uh, the Falcon 9 SpaceX mission, uh, CRS-8, which has been uh, the delayed commercial resupply for the International Space Station. Uh, Just there's been issues, haven't been able to... um, get a good launch window, whether it was the weather, whether it was a stray boat that just don't understand the boats ruining these launches. But, um, I think we need something loud, some big bullhorn just to be like, get out, get out. And maybe, maybe they'll go away. I don't know where these boats are coming from, but they're ruining these launches. But either way, this will be the 10th dragon spacecraft for, SpaceX that'll be launched and the eighth operational cargo delivery mission. Uh, so can't wait for that because they always put on a show every time they launch. And, uh, the more and more, the further along we get with this and the better they get, I think we're going to start seeing more and more missions. So look forward to that. And let's move on to our next topic for this week. All right, let's talk about Ceres, the dwarf planet that NASA's Dawn spacecraft has been uh, researching for a while now. Uh, You know, when we first saw the close-up images of Ceres, uh, many people saw the video of the the bright lights that seemed, the, the bright reflections, at least, that showed up on the surface. And, of course, everyone right away really, really wants it to be aliens. But... Unfortunately, it's just not that easy. But there was some just very cool stuff as we went in. I mean, it's it's almost cooler that it's not aliens. It would be great. But, you know, what what is it really? Uh, and we're getting closer to answering that question. Um, one of the most interesting things recently, uh, other than an extremely detailed close-up view of the bright spots... Um, there was actually a uh, video released that showed, it was composite of pictures, and it showed that over time, the bright spots on Ceres were actually changing shape. So, you know, if if you're an alien hopeful, um, you're probably thinking, oh, well, you know, it's trying to communicate with us. <laughs> You know, it's trying, it's, it's moving around. It's, uh, it's trying to show us through a series of lights that it's there. Fortunately, that's, uh, highly unlikely. Uh, but what's definitely more likely is that it seems to be some kind of crater, whether it's some kind of cryovolcano that's heating up and freezing, and that would kind of explain why it's changing shape, why it gets brighter, um, which would be that that was my initial thought. That's really what I thought it was. But uh, the most recent study um, shows that it's actually probably uh, hydrated magnesium sulfates. And if you've ever taken a bath or soaked a sore ankle with Epsom salt, that's, that's it. That's magnesium sulfate. Um, so 
basically the idea is it's kind of a mix of uh, the water and the salt. Um, you know, when there's more of it, it's definitely... Uh, well, let's think about this. Basically, it's changing with the extreme temperatures, right? So when it's hotter, it's probably evaporating, which means that uh, there's less of it and it's not as bright. And when there's more water, it's probably uh, a lot more brighter and, and covers more area. Um, I think I got the logic right on that one. But uh, pretty cool stuff. I mean, it, this is, series is uh, one of the largest dwarf planets in the area, I believe, um, or largest bodies in the area other than Mars. So uh, this is <laughs> this is a really cool mission. And we're learning so much about stuff that we, we barely even know what's out there. Um, you know, with, with all these missions, these latest missions, I mean, we're getting so much great information. I mean, again, here's another mission that within a year of us being there, we have up close, super detailed multimedia between uh, the pictures and the video, I mean, we're, we're, it's about as good as being there. I mean, these spacecraft have been doing an amazing, amazing job. And the teams involved are, are doing fantastic work. We're really getting out there and actually exploring, and it's fun. It's awesome. I mean, you know, and you get the little thrill of thinking, will we find the aliens? Like, we actually we're actually looking at places where we could potentially find life, you know, hopefully something that's <laughs> visible from a satellite above, uh, even if they're not sending us signals, uh, <laughs> you know, let's, you know, most likely it's microbial life if we ever find it, but, uh, damn, would it be exciting if we found something walking around down there or flying around down there? Oh, and the only way to find that kind of stuff out is to go out there and look for it. So missions like this to these dwarf planets in our own solar system are exciting as all hell because there's always a possibility that you could find life. But realistically, we're just learning more about what's actually there. We have no idea. And we're finally getting out there and learning this stuff. So keep keep checking these missions out. There's There's... So much more to come. The link on this week's episode has a pretty cool video of the most detailed map of series. Um, and I think these salt areas are amplified to, so you can see them better. Uh, but if they're not, damn, that's a really cool looking dwarf planet. Um, it's got like these patches of what looks like blue ice, you know, it, and it's just these salt deposits. Uh, crazy it's crazy seeing this stuff so go check it out all right let's move on to the 3d printing update for this week um actually i don't even remember what we talked about last time uh i think last week uh the box was put together there's just there's so much like i i i really get blown away sometimes when it's like oh it's thursday again and I have another episode, and I'm like, holy crap, like, it's either, like, super fast, or I'm like, man, that, that felt like forever ago. Recently, it's felt like forever ago. Uh, 
um, mainly just because I've been getting so much done on it. Um, so pretty much sealed it all up and uh, put the fan in and tested it out this week because um, you know, I think last week I talked about how uh, it's, you know it's great that I got it sealed up and this and that, but that I don't think that there's enough airflow. I'm creating almost a vacuum, you know, or um, I'm basically boxing in a whole bunch of hot air and and uh, potentially particles uh, with something that, you know, and if there's no good way for it to escape, that's not really good, especially if I need to open the door and a whole plume of uh, invisible particles hits my face it's probably it's not working it's it's not doing what it's supposed to do so um the main thing i tested this week was will the temperature inside get too hot because that was one of my concerns you know we're running a nozzle head that's running at 200 degrees celsius so that's to melt the plastic so that's very hot and then you've got the bed, which for PLA, as which is what I tested this week, is, uh, you know, not very, I mean, we're talking like room temperature, um, not, not hot at all. Um, but eventually we'll be using a heated bed plate for the ABS. So um, I wanted to check and see if it was getting too hot in there. Um, I did a print... That was two hours, and it went up like a degree. It went from like 77 degrees Fahrenheit to like 78. And then I uh, tried it again with another print that took five hours, uh, and it only went up two and a half degrees. So that's not bad. That's actually very good. Um, I was worried that my fan didn't have enough power to uh, vent out the kind of airflow that I'm looking for. Um but it seems to be working. I do need to add some holes. I, I was going to go out and try and find a vent, um, spend more money. But uh, I decided, you know what? Um, literally some holes uh, will do just fine. I mean, it doesn't have to be uh, super complicated. You know, that's, you know, a few holes here or there just to let a little bit of air in uh, is not the end of the world. Um and it's just easy. It's simple. So uh, that's where we're going with that. Um, I also uh, 3D printed a mount. I have a so I have two temperature gauges in there. I have one that's measuring the whole environment in there, just kind of the air. It's measuring the temperature. It's measuring the humidity. So I'll get a kind of idea of what kind of uh, environment is in my printer. And hopefully, with enough prints, I'll be able to tell if the quality is better um, just different things like that. If I can control the environment inside, my quality control goes up. So it's something to look forward to in the future. Uh, my other temperature gauge <clears throat> is, uh, has a, just a, <clears throat> a little probe tip that I can pretty much place wherever I want. So I can, I can not only tell the overall temperature of the inside, but I can also pinpoint a certain area. So, um, just a good thing to have uh the only problem was uh you know it's a it's a flat mounted little display and with the two by four frame like it's gonna sit flat so with the door on top i can't just 
put it on the side because then I got to crank my head to look over. It's just not comfortable. So what I decided to do was just make a little angled mount. I just uh, uh, designed it real quick and printed it out, and uh, it's working great. Uh, I can't wait to show you guys that. Uh, it's all going to be part of the video for this uh, 3D printer box once it's uh, completely finished. So I'm working on that now. Promise it will be out as soon as the printer's done. Once I get the last, once I get the printer in its tip-top condition, we'll shoot a little footage and then that'll be it. It'll be ready. So uh, the only thing left to do, uh, just for the box to be okay, is to uh, put the hole in the wall and uh, vent out the, or uh, create the ventilation system. So uh, that's going to be pretty easy. The hardest part is doing the hole. Um, I've never done it, so I have someone helping me. So I'm just waiting for that to happen. Um, the assistant actually will be helping me with that. So uh, we'll update you when that happens. It's just a waiting game right now. That's all. Um, what else? And then down the road, of course, we've got the power supply upgrade. So once again... Mine has been shown to be pretty shoddy uh, by other people who own the Razorbot. So uh, there's plenty of instructors online on how to change that. And basically, the idea for that is, number one, I don't want to catch a fire, but uh, so that I can let it print for, you know, when I'm at work and have it running when I'm not around. I mean, that's that's the beauty of of having a machine like this is if I can get it to print 24 hours a day, then I'm doing it right. You know, if, if I can have that thing printing as close to 24 hours a day, then I'm maximizing the use of my machine. That's kind of where we're going with this. So everything's looking good. Very excited. Very, very excited for the future here. Um, and we'll talk more about 3d printing next week. Okay, to close out the show, I have the lovely Sarah back on so we can do a cushy report. Well, hello there. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for uh, coming on. Absolutely. Appreciate it's awesome it. to be here. Yeah, uh, and even more thank you for doing it. Uh, we're recording very late. Uh, <laughs> so if we start sounding delusional, uh, <laughs> it's from the fact that we're both extremely tired. So, uh, but that's what happens when uh, you work hard. You just don't have a lot of time. I mean, truth. Yeah, you're living truth. that uh, graduate life. Oh yeah. While working a job, mm. uh, and I'm working a job while working on my passion. So, uh, sleep doesn't come into the picture. No, it doesn't. No. No, it doesn't. No. So to keep ourselves up, uh, do a little science here. Woohoo! Yeah. So. Uh, talk about the cushion report here. So basically kind of give it, uh, a little bit of intro here. Um, mm. we've been kind of talking back and forth on kind of what's the right way for me to be taking this data. And one of the big things, uh, you were trying to stress was, and you even got me, uh, a timer was, was the time. Uh, and I mentioned it in, uh, in the last episode or the one before, uh, it was basically tethering, uh, attaching a timer to myself so that I wouldn't forget it because uh, I was literally just screwing up all the data taking. <laughs> so uh, made some strides with it. Uh, I think I have a, like a good system for, for timing. 
So and and the whole idea with with the timing is for frequency. We're trying to figure out in a certain amount of time how many times a behavior happens, right? So we're trying to figure out a rate. A rate. So okay. you're taking frequency data, but mm-hmm. we're taking the time and we're creating a rate out of the frequency over duration. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So that's why the timing, making sure the timing is accurate is so important because we'll have an inaccurate rate. Even if we have an accurate frequency, we mm-hmm. have an inaccurate rate. Okay. If the timing was off. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tr- just started really doing my best over the last month to, mm-hmm. to make sure that my, uh, my time was right. And recently, the last week, I've noticed that, uh, Two of her behaviors have kind of really, at least in my eyes, gone up above what we've been used to. Um, so I called you in, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to talk about it. The two behaviors were um, the mat scratch, uh, box scratching, which is a little corrugated cardboard Which is good. Box. That's a target behavior for increase. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the other one was the paper slash plastic chewing. Right. Which is I'm guessing a behavior to target decrease. decrease. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so basically, uh, we, after talking, it seemed like, okay, we need, uh, like, what was it? Three of the days to kind of fall in line in a row so that we know, okay, there's a trend. Beautiful. So, um, in behavior analysis, um, you need to have, so technically, you should actually have steady responding in order to um, intervene. So we should have a steady rate of responding in order to intervene. But it's also acceptable to have an increasing rate in order to intervene. Um, the thing is, so you only need three data points in a row to, to doing the same thing to create a trend. Okay. So three up, three down, three Across. Okay. Three different trends. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're seeing we're seeing an increasing trend in two of her behaviors. Which is great. I would be more than happy to intervene there. But one of the behaviors we want to increase instead of decrease. So if we start an intervention to increase a target behavior. When the trend is increasing, we can't prove that our intervention caused the increase in the behavior because it was already on an increasing trend. Oh, so we don't know if it's affecting it at all. Right. The behavior that's on an increasing trend that we want to decrease, if we can take an increasing trend to a decreasing trend, Mm -hmm. we can show that our intervention is effective. Mm. Okay. So that's why I'm having this dilemma about it. Well, yeah. So let's let's go into the data here because... We finally uh, took the little scratches of mine of the note taking <laughs> and uh, put it into the, the po- all powerful Excel. Yes, and uh, <laughs> got some data out. And so, what what are you what are you seeing? So I just started playing around with the graphs. Usually, when I take this kind of data, I like to look at each of the graphs um, independently. Okay, kind of see what each of the each of the trends is doing. Um, but since what the, we're looking what at... What the behaviors are looking like over time. Yes. Yeah. So when I did that, I noticed that two of the behaviors 
the shapes of the of the graphs look really similar. And I hmm. thought that I messed up and copied the same one twice. And I looked at it and I put them both on the same graph and realized that the box scratching and the paper plastic chewing, the graphs looked really similar. Yeah, it looked like they were like laid over each other. Almost, yeah. yeah. It was incredible. So what that says to me is that the two are related. They're probably functionally related. What causes one probably causes the other. Well, and it's, it's interesting because it's definitely something I've noticed. For me, being, you know, being her owner and, and um, taking care of her since she was a, a baby, like, I've always noticed that a lot of it for her is attention. So, and I think that's where we're going to end up going here. And so it's not a surprise too much that two things that are some way related to attention mm-hmm. uh, are related. Um, you know, the box scratching she does when she's happy or when I'll, I'll first come in the room. Um, I've just fed her, things like that. Um, so that makes sense. So that's kind of attention. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is obviously to get my attention yeah. because she's trying to get me to pay attention to her. So, so when he says it's obviously attention, let me describe how it looks. <laughs> um, he's doing something. He's working on something. He's doing something else. And all of a sudden, the cat jumps out, grabs a piece of paper, and starts ripping it to shreds. <laughs> and he comes over and he's like, gosh, knock it off. And it's like this interaction. And what that sounds like punishment in everyone's... Um, you know, that's, yeah, in yeah. everyone's regular definition, I don't know how to say that. Sorry, I'm tired. Um, <laughs> in everyone's lives, so you know, as a kid, if you did something you weren't supposed to, you got scolded, and you would call that punishment. Or at least I would. Mm-hmm. But in behavior analysis, we define something as either re- re- reinforcing or punishing. Based on the outcome, mm-hmm. does it increase the target behavior? Does it decrease the target behavior? And you yelling at her mm-hmm. is actually probably increasing her behavior. Mm-hmm. So, and one of the things we had you told me to do was that uh, this was all about baseline. Mm-hmm. All right. this data we're taking yep. is we're trying to figure out what is the norm. Yep. What what does she normally do? Um, so in order to get the baseline, I had to keep doing all the things I was normally doing and not all the things we talked about that would help. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> at first it was really tough cause I'm like, oh, I just want to, I want to do the thing that'll help, but we need to figure out for science sake, what's, science. what's, what we're starting with. So we know when we change it, what it's doing. Right. Right. Okay. Right. So, yeah, that's that's what we're trying to figure out. Um, you know, it kind of leads us to a weird place because I've been toying with the idea of what I'd like to do for an experimental design for a while. I was thinking I wanted to do a multiple baseline across behaviors. So okay, explain that a little more. A similar intervention, assuming that all of her behaviors serve the same function, a.k.a. to gain attention, Mm -hmm. which I believe at this point. Everything's shown me that that, that's true, except for the mat scratching, which we're probably just going to ixnay at this point. Yeah, the mat scratching, just for anyone who doesn't remember, are my my workout mats. 
so, you know, it's not not the <laughs> it's it's not the cheapest thing, right. uh, and it's just a pain in the ass to have to buy a new set of mats every time she just scratched it for like three months straight. So, uh, but I got new ones and I got them textured, and I think it kind of messes with her. I don't think she knows what to do with it. So uh, I may have xed that behavior altogether. Yeah, it's happened. A couple of times, a handful of times. Yeah, but nothing compared to the other ones. No. Yeah. So I think we're going to stop tracking that behavior, which is cool. Progress. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Um, your intervention worked. Hell yeah. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> um, Learning every day. <laughs> um, so we're going to focus now on the box scratching, the wire biting, and the paper plastic um, chewing. Okay. So in order to treat something... Like I said before, in order to start an intervention, we need to wait for an appropriate time. Right. If we act too soon and the behaviors are unstable, we don't know whether our intervention worked or failed, and we just wasted a bunch of time. And, you know, the reason I, I had called you in was because I had saw that there's two behaviors, the, the box scratching and the, uh, sorry, it's, it's like paper plastic <laughs> chewing. I know. That they both went up. But when you saw the data, what did you see? I saw that all of them went up. Yeah. Which. So the good and bad behaviors are going right. up. Which, Great. Which could mean a lot of things. It could mean that you're doing a better job of taking it. Mm-hmm. It could mean that there's an environmental event in her life. Maybe it's she's reacting to the weather. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a wide variety of things. We did just have a full moon. We had a full moon. <laughs> Maybe she's a werecat. I don't know. I don't know. That would be exciting. Yeah. Exciting turn of events. We could do some science on that, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God. Yep. Late. Yeah. Um, so, basically, I'm looking at it, and it's just not a good time to intervene. Yeah, because you're kind of, you're stuck. It's You'd like to intervene for the bad behavior, because this is the time. Right. But the intervention's also going to affect the good behavior. And if it affects it, it means it's going to go down, and we don't want that. No, the intervention will increase the good behavior. Oh, But I okay. just can't prove that it worked. Ah, I'm trying okay. to decide right. how much I care about that fact at this point because we're really mm-hmm. trying to decrease the, decrease the bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. Do I care that much that I can't prove my intervention worked to increase her behavior? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think you kind of care. I well yeah because I'm an epic nerd and I want it to be perfect right right but does it matter that much right kind of weighing weighing yeah. the options here and that's and that's sort of the interesting thing that about ABA about applied behavior analysis is that it kind of combines science with art mm. and you know there's a lot of really technical principles and we're all based on data but at the same point. Uh, it takes a little bit more judgment than I'm sometimes comfortable with mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I'm sitting there calculating all of the different issues and trying to decide what's the best uh, situation. So there's a little bit, there's a little bit of um, decision making um, to decide what kind of experiment we're going to use when we're going to start. Once right. we start the experiment, it's much more... It's much more similar to what you'd see in a um, 
I don't know what I would call that, a more concrete science, scientific method, really. Yeah, something using yeah, the yeah, scientific yeah. method. Yeah, because we, we were kind of talking about this before, that uh, ABA, or at least this part of ABA, isn't really like using the scientific method. It might use parts of it, but... It is and it isn't. Yeah. I actually just had an epic conversation with this about oh, this nice. with my supervisor today, um, and he was telling me that... Um, in an applied sense, it's not always possible, but it should be run. So just because that's what I've seen doesn't mean that's what's right. Right. Yeah. Shocking how that mm, works. I know. Um, <laughs> it turns out that what I was interpreting as a, just a factor of ABA just kind of sounds like it's the way people do it instead of the way it should be. Hmm. Um, once now that's why I'm drying out this baseline so long is because I'm trying to decide what I'm going to do because I don't want to go back on my decision once I make it. Okay. Does that make sense? Kinda. Once I make my call on what I want the experiment to look like, the experimental design, what treatments I want to use, etc., I don't want to change it. I want to ride out the course and see how it affects her behavior. Okay. So so really you're I'm doing my background research. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, no, no, and I, I, I like the approach we're taking because I, I do want it to, to work. So, spending a little bit more time to figure out the lay of the land, to figure out mm-hmm. what you have in front of you, I think that's, I think that's at the core what we want to do with science. You right. know, so, um, you know, moral of the story is the, the story continues. Yeah. Yeah. To be continued. Yes. Um, but we've uh, started to see some interesting stuff here. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's been fun. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about behavioral stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's something I've always been interested in. Um, I've always had a knack with people. So to learn the behavioral side from a scientific sense is really fascinating because like it's, it's the, it's there's no better, better way to say that in my half asleep mind, but <laughs> um, it's the science behind it. Right. You know, it's, it's a way to concretely show or test or, or observe behavior. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's a giant puzzle, and that's what mm. I love about it. You know, it's putting together a big old puzzle, figuring out the best way to make it fit. And the tricky part is there's lots of ways in mm. my setting to make it fit, mm-hmm. but you're trying to find the best way. Well, and that's and that's not something that's um, unique just to ABA. I mean, that's mm. I mean, I've had that experience in a lot of the engineering I've done. You know, it's there's <laughs> the uh, the term uh, when I was working in Connecticut was "There's a million ways to skin a cat." Ew. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> the story there is just like, yeah, you can do it a million different ways. Uh, in business, it's what's the way that you can get the customer what they're looking for and take the least amount of time. Yeah, you know that's that's kind of the engineering manufacturing route is. Is, is you're trying to get the best ratio of that. Right. You know, so. Yeah, it's an adventure. Not to mention, I've never attempted to change a cat's behavior before, so this mm. is also a new 
ball game a little bit, except for <laughs> the cat in my apartment who likes to steal people's food. That's a tricky behavior because you can't. Mm. He really does it when you're not there. <laughs> it's really, <laughs> really frustrating. <laughs> it's hard to get data on that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. I just want to set up a camera. Uh, but then, then you enter a whole world of weirdness. Yeah, then, I don't want to know. Because then you gotta you gotta pour through footage. Yeah, that's of it sitting true. there, and you're gonna learn things you didn't want to know. I also barely have time to like eat and uh, yeah. sleep, and yeah. let alone watch hours of well, and cat footage. Yeah, and let's let's <laughs> let's let's end the episode on that thought. Uh, yeah, it's it's crazy when when you get to the point where you're filling your day pretty much to the brim, which mm. has been. Mm-hmm pretty much the last three weeks and that's why i'm sorry if this episode if if i've sounded tired or repeated things uh it's just been one of those one of those weeks it's finally hit me uh and i mean you're you're doing something i mean yeah it's like i'm working and working on my job at the working on my business after work but i kind of have a free flowing schedule as far as that i'm I'm filling my schedule as it as the day goes. You're going to school and working full time. You're basically working two jobs as it is. So, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, it is, and and it may not feel like it right now, but like you're kicking ass. I appreciate it. You likewise, really are. likewise. Thank you, thank you. You got a um, pretty sweet product to show for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. <laughs> it is pretty cool to <laughs> my Friday mornings are uh, pretty excellent. <laughs> every is every it, Friday morning is is it weird to hear yourself? I try to avoid hearing myself because yeah. I hate the sound of my own voice. Well, it's it's really weird because like the first time you really hear yourself through a microphone and what you sound like, you're like, oh, that's that's so weird. I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, but. The reality is that's how everyone hears you all the time. It's disturbing. Yeah. I like to not think about that. Fact. <laughs> right, right. And it's it's weird. Um and it takes a little while to get used to. I still like dread listening to the episode over just cuz I I hear every little mistake oh, yeah. that I made. I hear me thinking as I'm talking mm. and it's it's just that's that's the perfectionist side. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like the it's like the looking in the mirror and being like, I'm fat, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the same uh, thing, you know, uh, it gets better with time, yeah. but not much. Yeah. I finally got used to it with the singing thing, you know, right, singing, you're, I, you're, I can well, hear myself. For people that don't know, you're, oh, you, yeah. you were slash are still a singer. Yeah. I sing opera. Mm-hmm. I do. So hearing myself sing is finally okay. Wow. I I don't congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Finally I can tolerate listening to myself sing, but mm. listening to myself talk, absolutely not. So Well it's funny, I uh when I did my jazz uh minor performance mm. mm-hmm. uh in college, uh I sang too, which is the first I did a Louis Armstrong tribute. Mm. So um, I didn't sing like Louis because that's not right, and I can't do it. Um, but uh, yeah, that was a that was a weird kick in the ass to to get myself to express because I didn't have that much time. It was like a class, yeah. basically. So like, I had to practice it and get it refined in like I don't know, maybe 
14 weeks like not not that long no you know might have even been less might have been seven so it was just like all right there's no use being nervous (laughs) get out there so i i plugged the mic into a an an amp and listened to myself and it was weird for like a week well part of it also is as we know from speaking you hear yourself differently Mm mm-hmm you know, when you're actually producing sound than when you're listening to an audio recording. Mm-hmm. It has to do with the resonators. You hear yourself differently because of the resonators in your, the, you know, in your face, in your ears, and your... Yeah, it's just like you hear yourself totally different. Yeah, it's like you, you get a... It's like all the sounds vibrating in your skull and yeah, you're actually hearing that. Sound. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird, but... We have gotten far off topic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have. But it's it's been good. It has. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. We'll uh we'll continue the cushy report and sure. uh and see if we can actually change our behavior or find oh. find what we're looking for. <laughs> what we're looking for right now is the right time to pounce, basically. So we'll find it. You got it. We'll find it. Uh, thank you for listening this week, everybody. Really, really appreciate it. Um, remember, if you like what we're doing here, uh, please use the Amazon link on this week's episode or on the homepage at todayinspace.net forward slash home. Uh, and just do your Amazon shopping like normal. And Amazon kicks us back a little bit of it for sending you there. Uh, again, thank you for everyone who uses it weekly. You have no idea how much that helps. Uh, and we're... Uh, building a budget for the next uh, big project, uh, the big science project. So um, once uh, we have a grasp on the whole mission statement and it becomes solid and it's an actual thing, we'll, uh, we will share. Don't you worry. But until then, we'll keep coming back every Thursday and give you a little bit of science, a little bit of humor, spreading love, spreading science, and uh, just having a good time. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on. Thanks for having me. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Today in Space.